0: Our scripture passage today comes from John chapter 11, beginning in verse 17. Hear God's holy and authoritative word. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. You may be seated if you're standing. As we come to God's word... We need his help. So let us begin with a moment of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for revealing yourself to us. We thank you for this great account of what Jesus said and did. We need your Spirit to help us to understand, to apply it to our own lives and hearts, to see Jesus for who he is. We pray that you would help us, give us ears to hear what the Spirit says. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, our passage today is a continuation of the story that we covered a little bit last week. It's the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. If you remember, Jesus had just escaped from Jerusalem after facing great danger, Uh, He was going to be stoned to death for uh, what appeared to be blasphemy. The, The crowd was enraged by the things he was saying as he was equating himself to being one with God. And so they had escaped and they were out in this area outside of Jerusalem, outside of Judea, and Jesus got word that Lazarus had become sick, and so he was supposed to go and see him. Jesus knew that Lazarus had died and and said he was going to go and raise him. And the disciples were dumbfounded because they were going to go back to Judea where it was dangerous. Where they had just left to avoid this violent attack. And our passage ended last week by this confession from Thomas that said, Let us go also and that we may die with him. They are going into Jerusalem to a town right outside called Bethany. It's, we're told it's two, hour, uh, two miles away from the city of Jerusalem. And so as we enter into the scene, uh, we have highlighted here how close this would have been to the temple, how uh, public this would have been for Jesus to come back in. He wasn't just coming to some uh, off-the-beaten-road off the you know, uh, town where maybe nobody would have seen him. He is coming really into the heart of Judea. And so the imagery of danger ought to continue to be in mind as we read this passage. As they come into Bethany, Jesus finds out that Lazarus has been there for four days. So Jesus had delayed coming for two days, we were told, and it must have taken two more days for him to have arrived. That's how far away they were. Remember last week we talked about how there are no mistakes. Jesus didn't delay on accident. He didn't miss his opportunity. And yet we kind of get a sense from these two responses from Mary and Martha that they had hoped he would have been able to get there sooner, that he could have done something. But as we look at these, these two interchanges, that's really what we're going to look at today is these two scenes, one with Martha and one with Mary, the things they say to Jesus and how Jesus responds to them. But the key theme throughout this whole thing is that they both confess that Jesus is the one who they must go to. That Jesus is the one who can do anything about it. it is the big idea about what we're learning about Jesus is he is the one who can do something. We all must come to Jesus. And yet, some of us need to hear different things than other people Martha had to hear something different than Mary. Jesus doesn't always respond to everybody's need the same way. As we come to him, if we even do, we might not get what we expect in return. As they sent letter to Jesus, uh, knowing that their brother was ill but not yet dead, I, I would imagine that Mary and Martha were hopeful that he could have done something before it was too late. They didn't necessarily get what they wanted, but Jesus has something for them anyways. And so we're told here uh, that as Jesus comes into Bethany, verse 18 and 19, uh, that there's a bunch of these Jewish people who've come out to console Mary and Martha. Now... It seems that these people aren't particularly antagonistic towards Jesus yet at this point, but it does give us the sense in which people probably had been coming out of Jerusalem to see Mary and Martha, and the fact that they lived so close and there's all of this going on uh, highlights for us that Mary and Martha and Lazarus were probably pretty significant people. Not only was it just their little town of people weeping over the death of Lazarus, but it seems that there were many Jews there. And they'd come to comfort them. This is significant. And so Jesus is entering into a very public display of mourning. In fact, they've been there now for four days as they've been weeping over the death of this man. We're told in verse 20 with our first scene here that when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him. But Mary stayed in the house. And when Martha sees Jesus, she gives that confession. Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's not necessarily a chastisement of Jesus to say, why didn't you get here? But it is a confession that Jesus is the one who could do something. He is the one who could have done something. In fact, it's the same confession that Mary will make, and it's the same confession. Question that's brought up at the end of our passage by those Jews who had gathered. The man who had healed the blind man couldn't he have done something about this as well? Sure, seems like Jesus is the one who can do something. And so there's this lamentation, right? It's been four days. the The death has been finalized. There was a there was a sense at this time, uh, some kind of some superstition, if you will, that for the first three days of somebody's death, uh, that the spirit of that person was still nearby wanting to re-enter into the body. This This is not a biblical category. This is something that maybe would have been thought about at the time. Maybe how our culture has a different view of death and how all of that works. This would have been an assumption maybe at the time that it's important the four days has passed because by the fourth day, decomposition was beginning to happen. And that spirit that would have been around would have been gone. So the finality of Lazarus' death is being highlighted for us. And so she comes and says, If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus is the one who could do something. And yet she gives this ongoing explanation about what she believes about Jesus. Not only could he have done something, but she knows that whatever he asks of God, God will give to him. Jesus responds to her by giving her more truth, by telling her more about who he is, more about the situation. He says to her in verse 23, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And this would have been a, a common understanding uh, among uh, the, the religious people of the day that in the in the last day, uh Everybody will rise from the dead and into God's kingdom. And so she says, yes, I understand that he is part of God's kingdom and will rise in that last day. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die you believe this? And she responds, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Jesus responds to this really painful, sad scenario. He responds to a crying woman who is lamenting the death of her brother by telling her more about him, about how this really works. Not that he's just going to rise again in the last day, but he goes and he expands her theology. She thinks she has it figured out. She's trying to find comfort as she's wrestling with the reality of the pain of life, of the pain of seeing the death of her brother, and, and grasping for hope that, well, yeah, God's going to make all things new at some point at the end, and I know that whatever you ask will happen. And, and she's trying to you know grasp for hope, just like we all might in our times of grieving. Clambering for hope, grabbing on to the truths we know. And yet Jesus comes and doesn't just merely listen, but he gives an active uh, teaching to her about what is truly going to happen. She says, I know the resurrection is going to happen at the end. And Jesus responds by saying, I am the resurrection and the life. This emphatic I am statement, Jesus has been using these throughout john's gospel to explain that he is not merely the agent of these things but is the source it's not so much that the resurrection is going to happen and it's going to maybe happen through jesus jesus is one person who can do these things there's resurrections in the old testament that happened through the prophets it's not that jesus was just the one who was able to bring bread down from heaven like Moses who brought bread down from heaven. And all of these I am statements, Jesus is going beyond just being a mediator, being the one through whom these things happen. And instead of the one who brings bread down from heaven, Jesus is the bread of life. He is the thing that it had pointed to. He is the fulfillment of the image And just as the resurrection is going to happen in the last day, Jesus isn't just going to bring about resurrection. Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is the one who created life, who sustains life, who brings life to the dead. Jesus is the resurrection. He doesn't merely ask God and God responds, Jesus is God. The highlighting here of Jesus' divinity is unmistakable. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Yes, you look ahead to the resurrection at the last day, but it is me. These are the statements. As Jesus is using these, I am statements. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. He is the one who gives the spirit that wells up to eternal life. It is the reality of his divinity. He is the source pointed to him. And this is what he tells Martha. She has this understanding about who Jesus is. She, She knows he's the one that she must go to. And she understands that he has some special relationship with God. And she has hope in the resurrection. And Jesus wants her to understand more fully who he is. That he's not just merely somebody who can ask God, but he is the source of resurrection. He is the source of life. He is resurrection and life. That those who belong to him, who believe in him, they won't face death. They will have life. They have this eternal life that Jesus has been talking about. And you can see in her confession as Jesus asks her, do you believe this? Her confession seems to be very, very robust. She says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And this is the culmination of the true confession about who Jesus is. Not that he was merely a prophet or the one, you know, this Messiah figure, but he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world, the one who has been promised to come. All of this has been culminating into the one person of Jesus Christ. And she understands as Jesus is teaching her. He is pointing her, her hope, her clamoring for hope in the midst of this despair. He's pointing her to himself. He's revealing himself more fully to her and she gets it. And she makes this great confession, and then she runs to go get her sister. And we have a second scene that is very different. Mary comes running to Jesus, and the Jews think that she's running quickly because of her great grief to go weep at the tomb. And when she gets to Jesus, she says the exact same thing that her sister Martha did. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And so Jesus responds and says, I am the resurrection and the life. No, he doesn't say that at all. Because what Martha needed to know, what the the hope that Martha needed to have in this moment was who Jesus truly was as the divine Son of God, the one who gives life, the source of life itself. Martha needed truth. She needed to be rooted in the truth of Christ's divinity. But Jesus responds to Mary in a very different way. She says, If you had been here, my, my brother would not have died. No doubt, crying. Jesus sees her crying. She sees all of these people who gathered crying. we're told that Jesus is deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. He's overcome with the sense of grief that these people are experiencing. In fact, remember, Lazarus is named in our last passage from last week, the one whom you love. And we're told that Jesus loved Mary and Martha. These aren't just generic people. These are people that Jesus cares deeply about. And he sees this grief and he himself experiences these emotions. Jesus sees this scene. He hears this word from Mary and he says, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, come and see. And the shortest verse in all of the New Testament is verse 35. Jesus wept. Two words. Jesus wept. Jesus shed tears. And that's the sign of To these Jewish people who are gathered together and they say, see how much he loved him? What a different response to the same words to a different person. Martha needed to be reassured of who Jesus truly was. To have hope that he is divine, that he is the one who can undo this great tragedy that they can have life and hope by belonging to him. And that's what he gives to Martha. Mary needed something far different. Mary needed somebody to cry with. And we have highlighted in that verse, verse 35, Jesus wept this imagery of the humanity of Christ that is hard for us to even fully grasp, that God himself has cried, that Jesus loved this man so much and these women so much that he sees this happening, he knows what's going to happen, and yet causes him to cry. He goes to the tomb to mourn with them, he goes in their mourning. He enters into their grief. He experiences the grief himself. You can think about this in our own lives as we maybe are facing difficult circumstances at different times, and we go to somebody and we tell them about it. And sometimes what we need is for them to listen. Listen. And that's all we really need for them to do, to be there, to to care about what's happening. To be a shoulder to cry on, to enter into our grief, to let us work it out in their presence. Other times we go to people and we tell them about our problems and we need help. Not just a listening ear, but wisdom, perhaps rebuke, perhaps a call to do something different. Somebody might need to slap us upside the head if we're doing something wrong that has caused our grief. There's different responses we need in different moments. And Jesus is showing us here, ultimately, his divinity and his humanity and how he holds these two things together, fully God and fully man. And it's important for us as we deal with our own lives, as we think about what it means to come to Jesus with our needs. Sometimes we need to be reminded of who he really is, that he really is in control, that he really did rise from the dead, that there is real hope in believing When we enter into doubts and we we engage with the brokenness in our world, the sins that we, uh, we commit and that are committed against us, when we see the result of the fall and death, sometimes we need to look to Jesus and be reminded of how gloriously divine he is. That he indeed is the one who has been exalted and is seated at the right hand of God. To look to Him and find rest and hope because He is so glorious, the one true God. And He has made these promises to us. These are the things that we might need. Other times, we'll be more like Mary. And we wonder this does God even care? In our times of grief, in our times of un- doubt and unknown, in our times of pain, we wonder, where is God? Does he even care? And we need to be reminded that Jesus cries. That he cares so much that even though he knows he is going to undo this great pain, it doesn't diminish the reality of our experience that he enters into our grief, that he sees the pain of the world. And we think it hurts us, but it hurts him just as much, if not far more. We have a great high priest who is able to sympathize with us in every way because he has suffered like us in every way. He has lived an earthly life of pain and sorrow. And when we wonder about whether or not Jesus cared, of course, this ultimately is culminated in what Jesus has truly come to do. He cared so much that He didn't just look and weep with us, that He laid down His life for us that in order to make these promises to Mary and Martha and Lazarus and all those who belong to him, in order to bring about the resurrection, he pays for it in his own body and his own blood. Sometimes we need to see Jesus on a throne and be reminded of how glorious he is. And other times we need to see Jesus nailed to a cross to see how much he truly cares. We belong to the great God-man, Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, who reminds us of his great place of authority, the hope we have in who he is. And yet he has revealed himself as the one who dwells among us, who enters into our life. May we look to him in our time of need. May he answer us the way we need it. Whether that's in reaffirmation of who he is as our God, or whether we just need to weep in his presence and know he is weeping with us. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that Christ came not as just a king, but as a friend, as a savior of sinners, as one who has endured pain and hardships we all endure help us to come to him in our times of need help us to trust in him when we don't have the answers help us to find our hope and our comfort in our great savior jesus christ it's in his name we pray amen